0: Welcome to the Northwest Community Church Podcast based out of Bella Vista, Arkansas. If you'd like more information, check us out online at lifeatnorthwest.org. Hey guys, it's really awesome to sing songs like that. Songs of, man, thinking about God's perfection. um, Really, it all boils down to His grace in our lives. And we're even gonna see that in the text today, this idea of God's grace. I love hearing the stories of gratefulness, I mean, it all just screams God's grace in our life. His grace, it, it abounds, it's, it's overwhelming. Uh, I love how this church cares for people. Hey, if you have your Bibles, uh, we've got a lot to cover today. Uh, we're going to be in Galatians chapter 6, and we're going to be looking at verses 1 uh, through 10. You know, I think God has an amazing purpose for his church, and we're going to see what Paul is going to tell us that. Uh, this morning, and, and I really mean this. I think Northwest is one of the most generous churches around. Uh, not just financially, but uh, in the way that they care for people, in the way that they give their time for people. I think we're the most, one of the most generous churches. But I think God wants to really challenge us this morning in that generosity. Uh, I think he wants us to take it to the next level. And this is what I want us to see, this phrase here. God uses his church as a catalyst for restoration and change, that God has designed his church to, yes, help carry physical burdens like we heard about earlier, but not only that, he wants us to carry burdens of sin in each other's lives, to help each other walk through sin and point each other to restoring grace. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Jared, and I'm one of the pastors here I have an amazing wife named Adrienne who's doing my PowerPoint or presenter today. Woo! That's right. You find you a woman who can do that. You're in good shape. Uh, not only that, but I have two little girls, uh, one named Hadley who is three and uh, a 10-month-old named Evelyn. So studying through this text the last couple of weeks, I could not help but think about the little three-year-old sinner I have in my life. Evie has yet to get to the point where I've had to really like call out sin in her life. Uh, but it's coming, you know. But me and Hadley, yeah. So we're living the, the three-year-old awesomeness right now. Uh, and we've had some come-to-Jesus moments. Our big thing right now is Hadley staying in her bed at night. But yeah, it's a struggle. And the struggle's real. And this is really funny because I lived this out like last night. Like it's been six hours since this happened. Uh, but night after night, Pitter-patter, 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 into the room. Here comes Hadley coming to grab my arm and pull me out of my nice warm bed, telling me some excuse that she needs something or her water, just all kinds of stuff uh, to get me out of bed, to walk her back to her room In the way the house is set up. Her room's on this side, our room's on this side. Uh, and the worst of all is when she comes to get me and says, Daddy, I have to go potty. Well, she knows that Daddy's going to get up then because I don't want her to... Pee in her bed, uh, or whatever. So I we'll we'll run across the house, you know, half half sleeping, and I pull her over there and we we'll get, get into the bathroom. She'll look at me, she goes, ha, I'm just kidding, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's kinda of funny, but, you know, we have we walked through different things with, with Hadley and uh, you know, things like that are starting to pop up like lying or um, you know, just the three-year-old tantrums and stuff that three-year-olds, is totally normal. Uh, but we've decided that there has to be a consequence for these things, that we're not going to let her stay and just let her just continue to have tantrums or whatever. We're going to have some kind of consequence, some kind of discipline, because I'm her dad, and I know best, and I know that that's going to hurt her. So, or that she's wrong, I'm going to discipline her, I'm going to point her in the right direction. And just thinking through that, uh... I feel like God works the same way with us, and he's not going to let us stay in our disobedience. Uh, he wants to point us in the right direction, give us discipline, uh, and I think the church has a huge part in that, and I think he's designed it that way for the church to point us back to restoration, and we're going to see that in God's work. So I'm going to pray real quick, and we're going to dive right in, because there's a lot, I got a lot to say, so buckle up. Okay, So can we pray and ask God to show us what freedom looks like uh, as we walk with people through sin. God, we love you. We ask that you would open our eyes, open our ears, and know that uh, your word is for us this morning. As Paul was writing to the Galatian church, these words, uh, they hit home uh, for us. Open our eyes to your freedom uh, this morning, Lord. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, if you guys want to open up your Bibles, so we'll be in uh, chapter 6, verse 1. We're going to go verse by verse here, uh, and we're going to start with uh, verses 1 and 2. It says, Brothers and sisters, if a person is discovered in some sin, you, who are spiritual, restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Pay close attention to yourself so that you are not tempted to, verse 2, carry one another's burdens and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ okay right off the bat we see Paul pleading with the church in uh, the Galatian church for them to love the people that are caught in sin and not only to love them but to love them with gentleness okay I don't know about you guys but that is where I probably fall short my my gentle reaction is really hard for me uh, when I find people that are doing, making dumb decisions or whatever it may be, walking in sin, my reaction is not gentleness. Uh, my reaction is just to call them out and uh, tell them that they're being dumb on things. And that's not what Paul's saying here. There, there's a big emphasis on gentle restoration. It's like this picture of law and grace. So, the law, my law approach to you would be hey, you're doing this wrong, fix it, and I'll come back next week and we'll check on your work. And then you got the grace side of things that comes in and says, you're wrong. Let me walk with you through this and let me point you to restoration. It's a a gentle grace. And there's, there's two extremes there. The random call out of a person who doesn't understand you love them never goes well. Never. And I know we all can agree on that. We also see a warning here at the end of verse 1 A says uh, of us not falling into the same temptation as we're trying to walk with people through sin. And here's the key, that the Spirit is what enables restoration. So when we go into situations, guns blazing, going to save some souls, we end up turning away people from the church, or worse, we end up falling into the very same sin that we're trying to walk people out of. That's what happens when we rely on ourselves and we don't lean into the Spirit asking him to supply those good good works for us to walk with people. We will surely fail. Look at verse two. Okay, this is like a a famous verse that we honestly quote a lot a lot around here. Uh, this idea of carrying one another's burdens. And honestly, I feel like we do this really well here. I feel like we carry each other's burdens really well. It makes me proud to be a part of this church. But what is exactly does it mean by burden? And here's a definition for you a burden, anything that impedes the individual from living by the Spirit. So we often talk about helping each other through financial times, our physical burdens of sickness, but I think Paul wants us to take it a step further. So not only are we, re- we sharing resources, we're sharing our lives with people. Not just our resources, but our lives. I think that's so much more, and at the end of that verse, it talks about the law of Christ, Well, you're probably thinking, isn't this whole letter been about being freed from the law? Yes, but uh, Paul is saying, I'm going to give you a better way, a better law, the law of Christ. You know, set aside the Old Testament law of Moses, of the law that says I have to do all these things to be made right with God. I'm going to give you the law of Christ. As we walk with people through their junk and And in love and gentle grace that God provides, we are living in the Spirit, and we're living out the law of Christ. That's what that means. I think we all have stories of people, our friends, or people that we respected in our lives that fell off the deep end. I think we all have been through experiences like that. Growing up, you know, I I always knew that I wanted to be a worship leader, and so I had people in my life that I really looked up to. uh, And... They may have been these, you know, superstar worship leaders, but there's one that uh, I was very fond of named Steve Fee. Uh, and this was, you know, back in the, the 2007 kind of era when I was graduating school. And uh, I love this guy. Look at that, that vest, man. Vest used to be in, uh, for sure. That used to be me. Uh, but I love this guy. I, I, I saw him in, in many conferences and got to sit under his leadership. Well, in 2010, it came out that Steve Fee was having an affair that had lasted five years. And through that time of of being under his leadership and uh, and worshiping with this guy, he was having an affair the whole time. I was crushed. And there was two camps of people. There was was this camp of people that was hurt, they felt played, and they said things like, this guy will never be on the platform again. That was me, I was hurt. And that's what I said, I said, this guy will never lead again. Then you had this other camp, which is really cool. His church family that came alongside of him and said, Steve, look, look what you've done. Uh, but look what God has done. And we want to walk with you. We want to walk in steps of restoration. And we're not going to abandon you in this, like this other camp is abandoning you. What's was super cool is that uh, I guess in 2014, Steve he rolls back around. Uh, And he posted a a YouTube video kind of response to what had happened. And he says some things in that video that are, man, talking about this idea of that he thought grace wasn't for him. And that he had a church family that walked with him uh, into restoration. And I couldn't help but think of that story uh, as we read through this passage. Because I was in that camp, man. I was in the camp of of zero grace and zero gentleness towards that because I was mad. I hate feeling played, and I felt played in that situation. And I want to remind you guys this morning that everybody's going through something. You know, everybody's struggling with something. We have to recognize God's plan this morning, and I think in God's word, he's going to show us uh, his plan of redemption and restoration. Let's keep on reading, okay? Let's go three through five here. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Let each one examine his own work. Then he can take pride in himself and not compare himself with someone else. For each one will carry his own load. John Stock says it really well. For those of us who will not help carry the burdens of others, it's because we think we're better. We think we're above it. And that was me in that situation. I thought, Psh, he'll never lead again, and I, I, that, that would never be me. Conceit and pride make it impossible. You can never walk with someone with pride and conceit in your life where you're saying, I'm, I'm better than that. I remember having a stake in the ground moment years later after I'd heard all that stuff about that fee and, and, and that infidelity and thinking, oh, God, like, convicting my heart. I am one step away from that. I'm no better than him. What a fool for feeling that way. And I feel like sometimes when we, when we do feel that way and we lie to ourselves that way, that's when we fall into sin, when we think we're above it. Satan loves that. I was totally wrong. I could totally be my story And that lie of being better is straight from Satan, and it will keep you from ever loving people well. Everyone matters, everyone has hope. Everyone. You see in that verse four and five, you know, examine your own work. Because you're going to carry your own load. This is this is the moment where Paul's saying, wake up, look in the mirror. Look in the mirror because nobody is responsible for your decisions, good or bad. It's on you. You're going to have to carry that load. It almost looks like a contradiction because Paul just said, hey, you guys help these people carry their loads, carry their burdens. Yes, but here's the the truth. Until you recognize your brokenness, you can never walk with somebody else in their brokenness if you think that you don't have it. If you can't see in the mirror that, oh, God, I need your grace in my life, you'll never have grace for someone else. The theologian James Dunn put it this way It is the man who knows he has a burden of his own that is willing to bear his fellow's burden. We've got to recognize, guys. Accountability. Can we be a part of a transparent place that says, hey, I got issues, you got issues, let's walk together? Let's walk together. It's a huge cry for community. A huge cry. Don't isolate. So we have amazing community groups that meet all through the week. We have this amazing ministry that kicked off this fall called Celebrate Recovery. That's, I mean, it's like geared towards this. For habits and struggles and hang-ups. We meet on Thursday nights. Healthy community. It's huge. It's vital. We have to have it. You can't isolate yourself. But here's the, here's the challenge to, to us this morning. I think what makes CR so awesome, Celebrate Recovery so awesome, is, is that is the reality of it. You got people walking with people through struggles. But you know, that is healthy characteristics of the church. And I think that needs to take place here, on Sunday mornings, not just on Thursday nights of Celebrate Recovery. That is what church should look like. That's what we are going to choose to look like this is going to be a safe place for people hurting. We're all hurting in some way. And nobody's better than somebody else. And restoration can begin here. Sunday mornings. I believe that. Look at verse 6. Now, the one who receives instruction in the word must share all good things with the one who teaches it. Bam. You heard it, guys. <laughs> Everything that's yours. It's mine. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. But in all seriousness, guys, uh, I do. I think you guys love your leaders really well. I feel it. And I, I'll speak for the rest of the guys. I think you do. But I think Paul is putting this in here for a reason. I think we can assume that the Galatian church is not doing too hot on this as far as supporting financially, emotionally, spiritually. So I'm going to let you into the mind's eye of a pastor. Okay, you ready? This could be dangerous. Do you know what goes further than any dollar ever can? Appreciation. Do you know what goes further than any appreciation? a criticism, a jab, just a little, just something a little in there to cause a whatever. It's further than any appreciation will. Because you know, a thousand words of encouragement drown. When was the last time you encouraged one of your pastors? When was the last time you prayed for one of your community group leaders or one of your elders? How about when was the last time you prayed for one of these teachers and kids who are praying for your kids throughout the week? When was the last time? I'm talking to myself. When was the last time? Can we be different? Can this church be different? We're gonna support our leaders in every way possible. We're gonna choose to do that. Look at verse 7. Let's go 7 through 8. Do not be deceived. God will not be made a fool. For a person will reap what he sows, because the person who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. This is probably one of the most sobering passages in all of Scripture. Paul is laying down hard truth that no matter what you choose to do, God is going to reign supreme. He will have his way and you cannot steal his victory. He invites us in to his grace, but we got to make a choice today, guys. We have to make a choice. For the Galatians, they had to decide if they're going to turn back to the old ways of doing things the bondage of the law, where they got to do these things to make themselves right before God, do their way into heaven, or live out true gospel and rely on what Christ has done, and not on what they could do or what we could do. You know, you've heard that old saying: uh, "What what goes around comes around. What you sow into the ground." Of your life right now will one day bear a harvest. I just want that to soak for a minute. What you sow into your life is one day going to reap a harvest, good and bad. If you turn back to the old ways of living there's a consequence and I think Paul is is screaming this because he wants there to be perfect clarity here Because it's a big deal and he wants it to be clear this morning. Paul is telling them that if you think you can mock God and inherit the kingdom, you are wrong. We're wrong. We can't do it. You will reap a harvest that has nothing to do with God. And nothing to do with grace. Paul uses the word corruption. In the Greek, it literally means decay. Like we're talking about like the walking dead here. Like these people are walking, but their bodies are decaying because they've fallen back into the old way of living. He's using this really graphic word because he wants them to understand. I'm putting myself in Paul's position here. These are friends that have turned back to the old way. They're headed for a path straight to hell. He's passionate about this. He wants them to understand. Like I want us to understand this morning. The old way has nothing for us. It's a big deal. We're talking about life and death. But look how he finishes. The Spirit will reap eternal life. Or the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life. That is the good news for us this morning. That is hope. We turn from our sin and we we live in the Spirit. Just like Scott taught, taught about last week, about the fruit of the Spirit. Where love, joy, peace, patience. These things will overflow from our lives. That's the fruit, eternity with Jesus, that is the prize, the great reward, and it's worth it. And the Holy Spirit is key. How do you walk in the Spirit? I think it's a daily waking up saying, God, here, it's yours, not my will, your will. Praying, walking through his word, community. This is how we walk in the Spirit. Ephesians 5, 2, it says, walk in love. Just as Christ has loved you and gave himself up for you, that's what it is. That's how we walk in the Spirit. Let's lean into the Spirit daily, not being deceived, and sow into the good things. Because they're going to bear a harvest one day. We can believe it. We can trust it. Verse 9. So we must not grow weary in doing good, for in due time we will reap we do not give up. You know, our last group uh, training uh, that Greg did, he he gave us a resource called "The Gospel Comes with a House Key." Uh, awesome book. Write it down because you need to read it. It's really powerful. It's by this author, last name Butterfield, and she has a crazy, crazy testimony of restoration of being living a lifestyle of sin and coming out of it. People walking with her, the restoration. And coming out on the other side and being this awesome leader in the church, and uh, she tells a story of their family, the Butterfield family, and their really strange neighbor named Bob, who lives in their neighborhood. Who all the neighbors around them think he's super weird, and they all are really skeptical of him. He's kind of a hermit, but the Butterfield family says, "You know what? We're going to love Bob, and we're going to care for him because nobody else will, and we're we're gonna we're gonna." Uh, try to represent Christ. Well, so, through, through seasons of caring for Bob, and they have small children, uh, trying to teach them what it looks like to care, uh, it turns out that Bob is cooking meth in his house the entire time. They have no idea that he's doing this. But one day, Bob gets busted by the police. Uh, and so their world <laughs> comes crumbling down. They've invested all this time in Bob, And Bob is totally taking advantage of them. He's in there doing drugs. Busted. Talk about messy. You want to talk about abandonment? How about this idea of an entire neighborhood looking at you saying, told you so. We told you. He wasn't worth it. He's in there sinning the entire time while you're loving him. But you know what they decided to do in the chaos of that? So Bob goes to prison, and the Butterfield family decides, you know what? We're going to keep on pursuing him. You know why? Because God pursued us. Bob, in his weakest moment, abandoned, vulnerable, we're going to pursue him. We're going to continue to love him, and we're going to have gentle grace for him. So you know what happens? Bob's in prison. Bob comes to know Christ. Behind bars, he comes to know Jesus. This neighbor that totally took advantage of them, they choose to love, and through that, he comes to know Jesus. You know how he finds Jesus? Because a family chose to listen to God and not the people around them. When everybody said, no, he's not worth it, they remembered the grace God had for them. Bob found Jesus because the Butterfield family was Jesus to them. Jesus shines bright in darkness. That had every reason to abandon Bob and say, we tried. Man, how many times have we said that? How many times have I said that? Where it's almost a cop-out where it's like this relief in my soul where like, God, hey, I tried. I did what you told me to do. And it was their decision, so I'm off the hook. (laughs) How many times have I done that? I want to encourage you guys this morning. Those of you guys who are walking with people through sin, maybe for days, for weeks, for months, for years, don't give up. Don't give up. And it's what Paul's telling us this morning. Don't give up. It could be a friend. It could be a child. It could be a spouse. Don't give up. Everybody's worth it. Press on, persevere. The cost is great. So our sacrifice should be great. Paul is pleading here, don't give up. It is worth fighting for people, right? Is it a waste of time to invest in people who take advantage of us? Jesus didn't think so. And he's the perfect example. He hung out with the least of these. He hung out with the me's, the tax collectors, the lepers, the thieves, the murderers. They all took advantage of him. Did that stopped him from loving and caring for them? No. And it shouldn't stop us this morning. You know what's so funny about that that as, as Christ did that, it drove the religious people nuts. It drove them nuts but that is the gospel, that is grace. And we have to recognize this morning, and I want to recognize it this morning, that walking with people through hard stuff like that is stinking hard, it is not easy, it is so hard. It's why we have trouble doing it, because it's so hard. I mean, looking at the story of Bob, (laughs) who wants to sit down with their kids and try to explain to them what meth is? Who wants their property value of their home to plummet because their neighborhood is in a toxic zone that they can't even walk around it because there's too much caution tape? It's messy. And that's why Paul wants us to understand this connection between us and the Spirit, because we can't do it without Him. We can't do it without him. And God's calling us to run towards it, not away from it, towards the messiness. Because He's saying, I'm going to provide for you and I'm going to make a way where you don't have to grow weary. The Holy Spirit empowers the walk, empowers the walk. Isaiah 40 28, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He does not faint or grow weary. That's what we get. 1 Corinthians 15, 58, my beloved brothers, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, your labor is not in vain. It's worth it. Can we believe that this morning? It's worth it. I have two relationships that come to mind when I was studying through this that I've gotten to walk through um, sin with. Um, Two relationships. One was infidelity, and the other was addiction to drugs. Both have very two two different outcomes, but they both resulted in sleepless nights, worry, and just ripping me apart because here's my personality. I want to go in. I just want to fix it. I want you to hear me. I just want to fix it. I want to scream into your life and just say, stop. You're being dumb. Like this is the stupidest decision. Hear me. That is my personality. Okay, now you can understand the gentleness thing. You're hurting everyone and you're hurting me. Looking back on, on, on that walk with them, what the things that are obvious to me is that grace had to be obvious. You literally have to walk with people. It's not this thing where you, you call them up and say, you know, hey, this is what you're doing wrong. Uh, call me when you're clean. And then we can talk about it. That's not what it looks like. They hurt, you hurt. It is a walk. The other piece of it, as I look back, I wonder if my weariness was because I wasn't in sync with Christ in that. Maybe these sleepless nights and all this worry, maybe I wasn't relying on the Holy Spirit like I should have, and I was relying on what I could do, what I could create. Man, that's our tendency. When you take on the burdens of others, you're not walking in sync with the Spirit, relying on Him to supply that, we're going to fail. We're going to fail. And so those two relationships had two outcomes. One, the infidelity was restored. A man became a great leader in the church still today. So awesome. Second scenario, still struggles with drugs today. Was it worth it? Did I fail? And this is, this is what I keep coming back to. What you sow, you will reap one day. Don't grow weary God restores people you do not never underestimate the part you play in people's lives in restoration all we can do is what Christ can do in us walking with people takes time it's never an overnight change we're like little kids We want to reap and we want to sow in the same day. It never works that way. Don't give up on people. Lastly, verse 10. So then, whenever we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who belong to the family of faith. I love the way Paul finishes here. He just says, love people. Just love them. Love people. I heard a pastor say it this way. Go into situations leading redemptively. There's always hope. Always. In the darkest of scenarios, there's always hope. Go into it with lenses of redemption. God wants to restore it. When was the last time you loved someone without an agenda? Without strings attached? Oh, I'm looking in the mirror. When was the last time I loved somebody where I didn't want something from them? You want to know where I really, this is where it really gets me, is church attendance. When have I loved someone where I wasn't worried about them coming to church with me? Yeah, I'd love for them to come, but that's not my, that's not my goal. That's not my motives. I want to love them. Just love them. No strings attached. Or <laughs> how about this idea of, I'm going to love you whether you come to Christ or not. My love for you is not going to change. I'm still going to care for you. Or this idea of, you know, my ministry or my network being in this CrossFit gym during the week. You know, I'm going to love you and care for you even if you don't call me your friend. I'm going to be your friend. My love for you is not going to change. I have no agenda here. I just want to be Jesus to you. And that kind of love goes against the flesh. And I believe that's only made possible through the Spirit. Just love people. And at the end of that verse, it talks about the family of faith. Here's the deal, church. If we can't love each other here, we will never love people out there. It'll never happen. If we can't love, each, if we can't love the church well, we'll never love people outside of it well. And that's what Paul's saying here. It starts in this room. Radical love starts here. I want to clarify the mission here. The mission in doing good. The mission of doing good. Jesus. It's just Jesus. Love the unlovable. Jesus. Spend time with people that nobody wants to spend time with. Jesus. Bring healing to the lives of people that are hurting. It's Jesus. That's our mission. Just to be Jesus, and that is super countercultural. To be Jesus to people and to live a life with lenses of restoration and looking at people saying, "Yeah, I can change you," because I'm a believer, guys. Grace changes people. Look around you; it changed us. Did it not? It changed us. God wants to use the church. He wants to use you and me as a catalyst for restoration of people's lives. Gentle restoration, kind. This word, genuine. We've lost it. Genuine. You literally care for these people. It's genuine. And that comes from the Lord, comes from Christ. Because there's going to be a harvest of blessing at the end, guys. And it's worth it. Don't give up on people. And don't grow weary. As you think about these 10 verses, I have two simple thoughts. They're like, (laughs) so profound. But I'm telling you, like this is how I'm talking to myself here. The first one, to walk with people, you have to know people. Do you really know someone? Do you know people? Are you a part of a people's lives where you know them enough where you could even live this out? Do you know people? You know the last verse talking about doing good to all people? Do you know your neighbor or the guy in the cubicle next to you enough where you could even walk with them through something? If they were going through something, would you even know? Do you know people? What does it take to be in a position to talk to someone about sin in their life? You have to know them. you got to know them well, and they have to know that you love them. Give a reason to be heard. Give a track record of genuine care, genuine love for people. And secondly, get ready. To know people, you have to be known. Let's flip it on ourselves here. Do you know people? But you have to be known. who knows you? Our tendency is to live life guard up. Walls built, I must protect this house kind of thing. You know what I'm saying? That is our mentality. Who have you let into your world? Because here's reality for me. When somebody comes to me and calls me out, Sin and, and sees at the fishing sea in my life, my first reaction is, you don't know me. You don't know me. You don't know what I've been through. Who are you? That's my first reaction. And I think that's the reaction of a lot of us. You don't know me. Whose fault is that? Is that is that theirs? Or is it yours? Whose fault is that? You live life so guarded. You can better believe that no one is ever going to be able to walk with you through the junk. Because your walls are so high. Who knows you? You know, are you building walls so high that even the people closest to you have no idea what's going on? Your family, your kids, your spouse, your church family, your community group. They have no idea what's going on in your life. Are you letting yourself be known? One-way relationships do not work. They don't work. I'm going to ask the band to, to come up, and we're going, to, we're going to end up landing the plane here. You see, the enemy wants us to believe this morning that grace is not for you. It's not for me. You're way far gone. It's not good enough. You're that messed up that grace is not for you. And honestly, there's probably a ton of people in this room that have been hurt by restoration gone bad. Maybe you opened up to someone and said, oh, I want to be known. And they took advantage of you. I think that's reality for a lot of the church today. The reason why walls are so high is because people have been hurt. So hear me this morning, church. We commit as a church this morning, we are not going to do that. We're going to commit to it. We're going to lean into messiness, and we're going to walk with people. We're not going to leave them behind. That is and will be our culture. It, It has to be. Because here it is. We are walking miracles. This church is a miracle. God is a miracle worker. And he works miracles of restoration. He works it in people's lives. And he wants you to experience it. And he wants you to be a part of it. In other people's lives. That's the grander plan here. He wants us to walk with people the restoration. So what needs to happen this week? What needs to happen today for you to start taking steps to really know people? What relationships do you need to lean into and say, I don't want to walk alone anymore. I can't. I believe in this room there's people that are hurting. I think there's people that are struggling with things. Paul is showing us God has a greater plan for you for us and it's freedom it's freedom from these things we no longer have to be chained down to it it's freedom you could be a catalyst of change in someone else's life in restoration don't you dare underestimate God he is bigger than you and he's bigger than your issues. And that is the good news this morning. And because of that, we can sing. We can sing songs like we're about to. We can lay down our burdens and we can come as we are. I want to invite you guys to stand up. Let's stand. Uh You know, because of that gospel, because of the truth that God is bigger than our mess, we can live without fear. You know, maybe this morning it's, yes, God, I want to be a catalyst of change. I want to know people. Can you make that possible in my heart? Maybe that's our prayer. Or maybe it's the other side of things where, God, I want to open up. I don't know how. I want to open up want change in my own life I want restoration I mean I was thinking about how, how do we respond and we could do we could do connection cards if you want to fill that out throw it in and we'll, we'll get in contact with you but I'm actually going to ask Will and Greg to go to the back because here's the deal I think Satan wants us to stay in secret shame that is what this is all about I think this morning we need to get up and go. We're all on the same page here. We're all going through things, we all struggle. But because of God and His grace, we could be restored. And we're gonna make a commitment this morning that we wanna walk with each other and it needs to start today. It needs to start now. Because if we walk out of this place and we say, oh, maybe tomorrow I'll get to know people or maybe I'll open up tomorrow. And let myself be known. We can come as we are. We can tackle sin together. This morning, we're going to respond in freedom. Can we do that? All right, let's sing together, okay?